You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Hey y'all, today I am joined by Courtney Stallsworth, also known as The Equipped Mama. Courtney is a newborn and maternal nurse, as well as a lactation consultant. And her business, The Equipped Mama, serves to decrease the growing maternal newborn mortality rate for all women, with an emphasis on the BIPOC community, done by promoting inclusive representation within the healthcare field and re-energizing our positive beliefs in the female reproductive design. The focus of the Equipped Mama is to equip with knowledge, empower with confidence, and support by community building. I'm so excited to talk with Courtney today, and I encourage those of you who are on Clubhouse to go ahead and follow my club, Lit for Health. That's L-I-T, the number four, and health. By joining the club, you'll be privy to conversations happening with podcast guests and other collaborative partners in the community. I want to go ahead and get this started. Just wanted to remind you to follow the club because Courtney and I will be on later this month to answer questions and talk with you all about the episode. Hello, Courtney, and welcome to the Purple Stethoscope podcast. How are you doing? Yes, this is a topic that's so important, and I'm so glad to have someone who's an expert on it, because I get asked questions about black maternal health all the time, and I'm like, that's not my specialty, but I'll find somebody who knows. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, well, I'm Courtney Stallworth. I am... Someone that is very passionate about helping women having the best birth stories for them that they can. And I do that through childbirth education courses as well as providing support for anyone that desires to breastfeed. Um, I'm a lactation counselor, a student to the IBCLC. That's what I'm working on currently, but um, I'm just very heavily in the community. Um, my background is maternal newborn health. I'm a registered nurse by trade, but I have left the bedside to come out here in the community and really start helping us become more proactive um, versus reactive. So that's my mission with the Equipped Mama, and that's where I've started really being able to dig my boots in and helping us get prepared for the, the mamahood journey is what I call it. Yes, the mamahood journey. I love that. And getting prepared. I was one of those people who never planned a pregnancy. I have three healthy children, um, but none of them, not a single one of them (laughs) was actually planned. So that, you know, my first question for you is uh, when you talk about helping women have amazing birth stories, Uh, and being proactive about that. How should women be preparing for pregnancy? Yeah. Um, The first thing that I always say is go interview some providers. Find the provider for you. Um, And the very first thing is finding out what are some key things that are important to you. 
and I mean, you can't find a provider to that is in alignment with your beliefs and desires if you don't know them yourself, right? So that is my very first thing that I say is to really self-reflect on what's important for you, what are some of your health goals that you want, and what do you want this pregnancy to look like in your delivery? And from there, that's kind of the first layer. And going in, interviewing with different providers, not just the one you've been with or the one that delivered your auntie's baby, um, but one that will be best suited for you. Um, that is just going to be so key and pivotal for you to have the best collaborative care um, going into the pregnancy. But as far as uh, physically preparing, of course, you want to have very, really good just wholesome, nutritious foods. I never really put a whole lot of emphasis on the dieting aspects, but we just want to be fueling our bodies to create the baby that's in our womb. Um, really great prenatal vitamins, which this is something you'd be talking with with your own provider because we each have different needs, different uh, deficiencies, different areas we need to be focusing on more than every other person. So there's just no you know, one size fits all, you need to take this or you need to take that because it might not work out for you the same, right? So definitely that and staying active. Uh, you really want to make sure that you're just up walking, maintaining the level of activity that you had prior to becoming pregnant and just trying to stick with that as long as you can. And of course, you'll have to alter a little bit once that baby starts weighing you down. <laughs> for sure. But for the most part, walking is our best friend. Walking is great. Um, it's just a great way to stay physically active, keeping those muscles nice and limber um, for that nice labor that we go through because it is work. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's mostly my main tips, I would say. Those are excellent tips. Interviewing providers, I mean, that's not something that I would ever have thought about. Um, I did see a few different providers with my first child and I didn't like the way they responded to my situation. I had her very young, but the guy ended up going with, you know, you have to take a pregnancy test or, you know, pee and, and have them test your urine. And the guy I ended up going with, which I never in a million years thought I would be going with a man for starters, <laughs> let alone, um, anyway, he said, congratulations. That was the first thing he said when he came in the room. Congratulations, you're going to be a mom. And that really was the first time I had anyone say it in a positive way. And, it, it, and I was able to feel the excitement with that magical yeah. time of having someone growing inside of you just uh the best so yes and then um i love what you said about wholesome and nutritious food i've actually done an episode of the purple stethoscope podcast with food jonesy the dietitian and i <laughs> yeah. learned so much just talking with her that's probably something that i would do would seek out like a dietitian consultation like okay i'm trying to have a baby what, what should i be eating um For so sure. yeah awesome awesome tips and staying active oh anyway especially it's <laughs> especially in a quarantine right but there are some things we can do to be moving more so those are those are awesome awesome ways we can prepare. You know, many women are having children at later ages now. I think the 2010 census was like the lowest um, birth rate time in the history of our nation. 
uh, and and just as we're getting more education, as we're having more um, say in how we start our families and have our families, women are having kids older. What exactly is advanced maternal age, and what should women know about having children at a quote later age? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Well, let me just say, uh, professionally speaking, <laughs> right. Age 35. Um, okay. Yes, which is, I mean, in our culture, that is so young still, right? That's, that's like mostly you're on maybe your second baby, but it's still very common that it could be a first. Yeah. Um, but yes, we do typically in the medical profession, it is seen that you are a advanced for maternal age, 35 and above. Um, but I love that you mentioned how it's actually becoming more common that we're seeing older women birthing and I think that that's just I see in our society we are starting to slowly get back to the basics of believing in our bodies and our abilities and our strengths and it's beautiful because we're no longer just writing ourselves off that man my biological clock is ticking and I I can't have kids now where we're past this age you know and more so really looking at ourselves as whole whole bodies women yes. and how you feel is not the same as the next 35 year old may feel we all are taking care of our bodies differently um and so it's so individualized and i really i really hate the geriatric <laughs> cat <laughs> at 35 years old yeah. um, but there are some things that we have to be monitoring for if you are a for advanced maternal age you know of course we're going to be looking at your labs we want to know what are your vital signs um, is are you at the state physically? Are you at the state that's best to be carrying the baby? How are you mentally? Because that's a very big piece, especially Ooh, yes. you know later age. You know sometimes it's more of accidental pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. the second highest um, unintentional birth rate is perimenopausal or premenopausal women they think that they're going to menopause can you imagine the average age of in menopause by the way people is 51 years old so just imagine being like 48 and accidentally yeah. getting pregnant hmm, i can't consider i know i just had my last um and i am not there my daughter's 16 weeks now oh congrats I'm, I'm, this is my last so i can't imagine yeah. the, uh-oh Okay. (laughs) But yeah, there's just certain things, and that's where it's really going to come back to that piece of picking the best provider for you that's in an alignment with what you're desiring. Because if you've chosen that I want to have a child, although I am older, Mm -hmm. I'm healthy, I'm eating well, I'm I'm in a state in my life. Most older women. I'm at a state where I'm financially in a great place yeah. to be taking care of a child and can have access to additional support systems, whether it's postpartum doula, nannies, you know, they can help, have help. Um, we have to really look at the whole person. And that's exactly what I really emphasize, even if you're not advanced maternal age, but the whole just person. when you're looking into who's going to be a part of my team. Because that's what we have to start thinking about with our care. Is it's not just you and a doctor, but it's 
you, like you mentioned, the dietitian, it's your chiropractor, it could be your, um, your not just your dietitian, but someone that you might even go to for therapy. You know, there's right. so many different what avenues and people that we need to have lined up as a whole tribe for a whole woman's view. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I would think um, when I think of advanced maternal age. It's just making sure your your squad is together. Your squad <laughs> for sure. Your your equipped mama squad. <laughs> yes. Your support <laughs> system for sure. Yeah. Sometimes having babies at quote like non traditional time periods can be really lonely because people either like are that. you like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like you know having I, I had my third child I was 25 so my peers did not have children and I was that mom at the parent teacher conferences that looked so young and you know now um with my youngest child, I have some peers, <laughs> but not with my older two. And then again, like, you know, having a child just completely changes the way you go about doing everything in your life. And if you are advanced in maternal age or 35 or older, um, having a squad is huge because that can be uh, really life-changing and the invites slow down and you start looking around for people who are kind of on a similar path as you. It's a great opportunity to make new friends and build new connections. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 35 and up. Oh, the other thing <clears throat> that I think about too is letting your primary care provider know, you know, so that mm-hmm. you can talk about your general health, like where you are, Maybe if there's anything that you need to work on or want to work on, getting lab work, you know, to, to see, are you still fertile? You know, um, yeah. are you racing a clock or not? You know, there are ways that, that we can know whether or not um, the chances of getting pregnant are, are good or or might be augmented with some some support. So, yeah, that's, you know, another thing that I hear a lot about because as black women, we do not always have the best press. And there are a lot of people who are doulas or midwives or, you know, alternative ways to having children other than giving birth in a hospital. Um, What would you like? And I know we're not, we're not here to Um, sway anybody's decision but really just to provide information what information can you provide about a doula or a midwife or a home birth versus a hospital birth yeah and I really love this topic um because as I mentioned I by trade am a maternal newborn nurse that practiced primarily in the hospital setting up until the past three years after having my first child um, with my first son, this is when my awakening more to an alternative, um, alternative medicine and holistic care. And I actually had him at home. And then my daughter birthed her on two under midwifery care. And the biggest thing is I think most people don't understand the difference, right? Between a midwife or what is a doula. Yeah. And the one, the main thing is knowing that a midwife is a master degree prepared, um, provider uh they can especially if it's um i should say a certified nursing midwife because there are certified practicing midwives but that's a whole other thing but your primary care provider would be the midwife 
she manages the medical portion as well as comfort measures, but the doulas are there for specifically therapeutic care only. They do not provide any kind of medical assistance. It's solely for comfort measures, support, and therapy in that way. So I think that if someone were considering looking into home birthing, again, finding that provider that you instinctually like, man, she just fits me, you know, someone that feels like they're in tune with you and that you feel comfortable and confident with when you've met them. I'm such an advocate of interviewing (laughs) (laughs) several, go sample, like go sample, Um, but meeting with that provider and also how is your partner feeling? Who's going to be in the birth with you? Are they, are they comfortable or are they going to be bringing that nervous energy into that space? You know, that's right. it's okay if they're not ready and, you know, especially if it's like your husband and they're not always going to be jumping with joy with the idea, but really bringing them along and having them in those meetings and letting them voice like any concerns so that they can talk it through. Uh, Midwives are so great with like just painting the picture of what it can look like and what it does not look like because I think in our society we have this very common theme of the thought that you know midwives just show up with nothing and like well what if this happens what if they start bleeding midwives are prepared and they bring pitocin as well they can they are trained professionals that can they can pretty much do everything but have surgery in the home setting they can hang IV fluids they can you know if you are bleeding they're assessing for that so there is things that can be done in the hospital it doesn't have to be the most picture perfect birth so I really like to share that because that's just a really sigh of relief sometimes when especially in my course I I love showing the picture of all settings birthing centers hospital settings or home birthing what does that look like and what do you have access to in the different areas that you should probably consider and that's one that I think really brings the relief of what does your midwife what can they bring to the birth Wow, I, you know, I had an obstetrician, and I had all three of my kids in the hospital, and I have, you you know, and it was a while ago, (laughs) so things hadn't really trended more, and I know people have been having children at home forever, um, but just Mm -hmm. to hear all that support, and just the ease, like the first thing that I think of when you talk about birthing at home is anxiety coming down because it's not so institutional can you and I and this isn't a question that I sent you (laughs) beforehand um but can you maybe compare and contrast a little bit as as a maternal um newborn nurse in a hospital and then as a woman who has birthed at home can you compare and contrast a little bit like the experiences Um, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. It's curious to me as someone who worked in that setting that you chose a home birth, but I also know that you have a great amount of knowledge about it. So how, how, how is it different? That's so funny because I've had people say, well, Courtney, you, you can do that because you could probably deliver your own baby. Let me just say a laboring woman is a laboring woman and nothing else. Amen. I was not nurse Courtney. I was not newborn there. Either. I was a laboring woman. So, um, yes, I love this. I was actually still working in the hospital when I made that decision. So I got a ton of slack and a ton of, 
what I call fear mongering of, well, what if this happens? Yeah. That is just the medical mind because we see so many, it is very rare for us on the floor in the hospital to see a natural, non-intervention, non-medicated birth. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, even intervention is even just giving Pitocin to help the contractions or Cervidil to ripen your cervix. Those are interventions. Every intervention has a not just not just benefit, but also can have a rebounding effect that then causes something else. So for someone that has never seen natural birth, because we often in the hospital do not see that, it's very mind blowing to think that someone would want to do a birth anywhere else. Um, But in contrast, the thing about the hospital, it is nice that you have the support of you can have the nursery nurse come and help you with lactation throughout the first, because you're there for at least two days. So you have that access. You are able to call on anyone really and have the, you have the food being brought to you. Yes, Uh, Lord. (laughs) Yes, you don't got to worry about that. But as far as labor goes, some of the things you have to think about is you have one room that you're in, in the hospital, birth Mm. that you are laboring in versus at home. I mean, I was able to get up. I walked to my mailbox. I went out and got some sunshine on my skin. You know, I, you have free range and you're in the comfort of your home. I got in the shower for a bit. I ate some snack, you know, in the hospital, there's a lot of MP. Well, not just MPL and take no eating. You cannot eat a lot of times in the hospital because in case you need surgery, they want you to not have anything on your stomach, but labor is work. It's an intense workout and our bodies need that fuel. And there's so much evidence pointing towards us really doing away with not allowing the laboring person to eat. Um, And a lot of doctors are going away from that, but a lot are not. A lot are just kind of used to what they're used to. Yeah. So... I think it's just the home, and I am a little biased, and I tell this, <laughs> I, I, I say it openly, it just allows you to not only think about labor. In a room, if you're in the hospital, you're in that room, you see that clock, you're hearing the monitor, you're confined in Yeah, space. it's very medical, isn't it? Yeah, you don't have a lot else to think about, but the labor discomfort. It's, which is not fun to think about. I just remember telling myself over and over, there's no way around this but through and and things like that. But then my mantra changed to, Devin, you were built for this. You were born for this. Your body was made for this. And when you talk about giving medicines to intervene or to speed things along or, you know, bring about conveniences for people who are working versus just allowing your body to naturally um, do what we're built to do, it's just, it's a very interesting thought. My oldest is uh, 22, and I had her naturally, and I didn't even realize what, you know, an anomaly that was because um, I had never intended to have her any other way, and I was young and healthy, and and um, I guess my doctor had time that day. I also, also I had shorter labors. My long, She was my longest labor at six hours. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> you're like, give it a couple more hours. They probably would have been coming at me with something. Um, but just like what you're saying in that, the comfort and the, yeah, that just, that just sounds so amazing. I had good birthing experiences. I didn't, she, I did have, um, 
she had meconium aspiration, but other than that, um, there was no complications. And and I was actually grateful to be in a hospital in that in that situation because I don't know how that might have gone. Um, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure her first Apgars were not great because I did not hear her cry until they, you know, worked on her a little bit. So I was grateful to be in the hospital for that reason. But everything else that you're talking about, I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I could have been home in my recliner or watching Bridgerton or, you know what I mean, uh, in the shower. When the baby comes out and you're like, they're cleaning up, they're changing the sheets and you just get to get in your bed. Yeah. There's, I love, there's just no yeah. greater feeling yeah. than like you're in the comfort of your home. Yeah. After the baby comes out. But yeah, you have some pretty fast labor. So that's a little. <laughs> um, that's what is, not the usual. What is the usual? I'm curious now. Yeah, mine were four, four, and, or six, four, and four. For a first time mom, it's not uncommon for them to go closer to anywhere from, let's say, 15 hours of labor, we'll say, is kind of like an average point. Are you serious? Um, but it can definitely go longer. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, and that's, of course, now, that's not like the active, intense, but like from the beginning of right. labor to baby coming out. And, you know, I think everyone has, there's so many varying, um, <laughs> when does labor, when do you start your count? Is it when the contractions get intense or is it when you first started having like the prodromal labor? So, you also got to check that part too. But yeah. I think another thing that you mentioned is you went into it knowing that this is, we just birthed naturally. But in our community as black women, that is not commonly known or seen. Like most, most of the time we think it's just normal to go and get induced or even hmm. in our family, we've seen more people that have had C-sections. Um, it's just that African-American women are statistically, we're just statistically more likely to have interventions and C-sections. Our, our rates are much higher than our white counterparts. Um, so I think that that's another piece that we don't have as much to like anchor into like, oh yeah, my mom and grandma and them, they, they've all birthed naturally. So it's just kind of what I've known. That's not the story for a lot in our community. And that's what's very very unfortunate and hard to you know kind of have that's what I really focus in on in our in my childbirth education course so also it's just how natural it is for us to birth and what our bodies how it harmoniously works together in different things that we can utilize um to really work with our bodies yes. in the labor yes um and that's so it's just so empowering to see when they realize how many tools that we're already equipped with that you can actually utilize and especially let's not forget our birth partners because I have a special place in my heart for them yeah (laughs) to really help that birthing person um more than what we see in the hospital where dad's just you got to kind of get out the way but you can hold this guy you got this one spot one (laughs) whereas that is so true all the things yeah Yeah, it's unfortunate yeah this is also their story of bringing their child into the world. Yes. I really love showing them, like, no, you have a role. There's these, I go over, like, five different things, areas of control in helping that birthing person in that space. And, I mean, you know, men are very wired (laughs) with tasks and jobs and executing. And thinking of that long, that line of this is what you get to manage that is going to help her and ease 
her into that labor and contraction and flow so that she doesn't have to be thinking about everything else going on. Um, it's, it's really empowering to see yeah. them be able to utilize each other. And I've seen a lot of men feel like they were kind of left out of the whole thing and deal with that struggle as well. So your classes just sound amazing. I just, I'm like, wow, I can't imagine if I had something like that with my first child, my, uh, my husband, he, he, my goodness, he, um, I think he thought the movie's birth, you know, like the water's going to break and I'm going to push a couple times and there's going to be a baby. So I sent him on foot to Blockbuster. Like you got, look, I'm aging myself talking about Blockbuster, (laughs) but you know, with the second one, after having some experience, he was cutting the cord and doing everything and but you know I think about gosh if we had a class like like your class your childbirth class how how you know more equipped both of us could have been for for that time Um, I just think it's amazing what you do I think a lot of times childbirth in general is thought of as this problem like well how much time are you going to get off work and can you afford to have a baby and who's going to be home with the baby and what's the wait list for the child care center and all of this other stuff but it sounds like you really focus on the beauty of growing a family and letting everybody have a role in that from conception to baby being in the arms. Where can listeners find you? How can they access your classes and work with you? Because you are doing virtual classes, right? Yes, um, I do the Equip to Birth class virtually and in person here. I'm located in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but the virtual classes have been so awesome. Although COVID has definitely been a, a curveball because um, I was only wanting to do in person. But it's been great seeing couples from all over, like different states, getting to meet that are in that same kind of season of life that never would have met before the class. Yes. And that is so neat. Everyone can find me at the Equipped Mama. Um, don't forget the V. <laughs> but it's the Equipped Mama on Facebook and Instagram, or of course my website, um, theequippedmama.com. But yes, everyone can find me there, and they can see any course I might be having going on, or lactation counseling as well. Or recommend somebody who they know that's out here pregnant or planning to get pregnant because that can be another thing that just eases that whole experience knowing that you're signed up for a class on childbirth (laughs) yes you don't want to go into it blind you just especially right now like you really want to get equipped with the tools that you can utilize and really come out of it with your best birth story feeling empowered how you would have desired it absolutely well, I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that we yes. connected because this is, it's something happy to talk about in a time yes. where we could all use a little bit of happiness. So thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for coming and sharing with the listeners your expertise. Uh, I'll <laughs> definitely put your um website and handles in the show notes so if you didn't catch that if you're driving or working you can just look at the show notes and see how you can you know see what what miss courtney's doing over at the equipped mama and how you can access those services thank you so much for coming on absolutely thanks for having me 
Well, that does it for today's episode. I wanted to remind you all to go over to Clubhouse and follow the Lit for Health Club. That's L-I-T, the number four, and health. That is the space where I'll be hosting interactive rooms to discuss various health and wellness topics with you. And Courtney will be joining me later in the month to answer your questions about this episode. Until next time, eat fresh and dance. Bye. For listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the NP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. Oh, 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 oh,